From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. 
This week, our guest is Amy Simons. Amy is a director, writer, producer, actor, and editor who has appeared in horror movies ranging from indie films like A Horrible Way to Die and You're Next to big budget horror like Alien Covenant and Pet Cemetery. She's directed films such as Sun Don't Shine, and her latest feature, She Dies Tomorrow, is currently available to watch on demand. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you for having me. Thank so you so excited. much for doing this. Yeah. We're incredibly excited to talk She Dies Tomorrow because we both, it both like hit us very, very hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, before we do that, how how did you get into horror? Was it something you've always enjoyed as, as a kid growing up? I, yes. My enti- I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s. So I feel oh, yeah. like it's like a wash of uh, horror, you know? Oh, yeah. Mixed with life. <laughs> 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 um, but we, when I was, when I was younger, when my parents got divorced when I was really young, like two about two mm. years old mm-hmm. and my sister um what if i started crying right now I'm just kidding, oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> i'd be like all right cool everyone just start crying like, i'll cry terry can cry <laughs> i'll try <laughs> what if i was just like when they got a divorce it was a horrible and i never got over it i don't even remember them being together honestly but um <laughs> um anyways we, when they got we got a divorce or we got a divorce jesus <laughs> i can't talk this morning um, when they got a divorce but my dad just ki- kind of i would yeah he lost it but like uh, but he went through this like <laughs> midlife crisis and he was just like whatever you want to do when you come here and my older sister being seven i just like followed her around the video store and she's like i know what we're doing we go to dad's house so we oh. just went straight to the horror section and we just pick whatever you know whatever the cover was that mm-hmm. seemed the scariest or the more the most appealing. My go-to, she used to make fun of me because my go-to was, what was the one? And I would pick it out because I was two or two or three or it was a lot of years. But I kept picking out the one where that goblin's coming out of the toilet. Oh, ghoulies. Ghoulies. <laughs> because I, because that's exactly what a three-year-old would pick out. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how many times you see it. You're just like, that one. I want I want, I want that. that one. And my sister would be like, have you already seen this? But I, yeah, so we would just, we would just sit and eat cheese whiz and <laughs> and eat pizza and chicken wings all weekend and watch, like, I mean, back-to-back horror movies at my dad's. Like, I mean, multiple visits to the, uh, to the video store over the course of just a weekend because oh we just God. sit and watch back-to-back horror movies. You just like describe my, my eighties too. I, Cause I, I think <laughs> we're around the same age and like eighties, I'm telling you people who are growing up now are missing out on like walking through like a blockbuster or your local like video store and and seeing all of the horror movie covers and just being like oh i gotta watch this movie mm-hmm. like, remember hellraiser oh like, yeah and you're just like a kid and you're just like pins in the face like what have is to this see that. yeah well and always we, we talked about this before but what's always so funny is when you see a really scary cover and then you watch the movie and it's not scary at all and you're like what what was what was happening here like why did the cover look awesome and then the movie was not that at all completely yeah <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, like, well, this is, do you guys feel this way where you feel like, um, like, uh, there were so many years apart, you know, how like this will dovetail into like sort of talk about my movie, but, but like when you're that young and you're like, wait, I thought that was so much later, but really because you've only lived such a short amount of time, it was actually like the, the following year or something. I remember like being like, 
And then my dad was letting us watch like these like psychosexual thrillers too. Like my mom, <laughs> when we come home, we tell her like we, we watch the hand that rocks the cradle, and she's like, "What the oh, fuck shit. is wrong with you?" <laughs> like, <laughs> and oh, but I wasn't. You know what I mean? Like to me, in my brain, <laughs> that was like fifteen years later. But it was only like you know like three or four years later, like yeah. it's still, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah g- going through this, uh, this podcast where we've been talking about a lot of 80 films, like 80s films, I, I found myself really confused as to what movie I had seen first, what movie I was, what age when I saw it, because like, it, when you're right, when you're that age, it sort of all is like this kind of like ambiguous cloud of, of movie watching. Yes, it, totally. And then, and, and, and because we were consuming so much as kids, like, Mm-hmm. in that way where my dad not just like video stores but we my dad would take it was a very big part of our life was going to the movies as well you know yeah and it was just and and drive-ins actually like what, why i'm excited that it's playing in a drive-in is like i i would go to the drive-in so much with my mom and my dad it was like a, a whole thing that's something that i i really missed out on because um even even though i was like living in the time of drive-ins we i lived i grew up in uh alaska and we didn't have drive-ins up in alaska so like i missed out on all of this all of that kind of that experience that is coming back now thanks to the current situation we're finding ourselves in yeah, and right. uh i i, I i'm, I'm kind of sad that i missed out on that yeah but you, you have like endless night right at some yeah. point so you're just watching movies at home it's true it's yeah. true <laughs> wow yeah um so uh, kind of ch- transitioning into filmmaking and acting had you always wanted to be involved in some way in film or how did that come about i well i, I always thought i didn't i didn't when i was younger i always thought that i was gonna be uh a doctor mm-hmm. and i but on the side i would have a hobby as a writer and when I was around the age of three, when I was watching massive amounts of horror movies, I also thought on the side I would be a cheerleader too. So, <laughs> oh, sweet. I like that. Part time, yeah, part time writer, right part time cheerleader, and a doctor in the daytime. <laughs> um, but, um, and then I, and I really thought I was going to be a doctor. And then it, it's just, I did it because I didn't grow up with artists. Or cheerleaders, um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I I didn't care the artist, so it took a really long time for me to realistically think about writing as a career or or, or, or a film in general. Yeah, writing writing seemed more attainable in some. I don't know why that's crazy, but like when I think about it now. No, but I know what, I felt I had a similar thought when I was a kid too. I was like, writing seems like I like acting, but writing seems easier and like like you said, more attainable. Again, don't know where that idea even came from. I but. don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, like somehow I had like decided that the pay scale for writers was better. <laughs> oh, I wish it was. No, I know. No, I I say that laughing. I don't know where. I, I didn't read anything on this. I just like decided. And yeah. um, this is how I educate myself. <laughs> I just bad. decide. Yeah, <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then it was I, in this really rash decision, uh, as opposed to when I was applying for schools when I was in high school. I was just like, I want to go to film school, just like suddenly. Wow. Oh. And then um, sweet. And I did at NYU, and I then I. Um, and then I, but I finished at Florida State because it's free. <laughs> um, 
Hell yeah. I realized I realized I wasn't going to be making making an independent film anytime soon if I had a hundred thousand dollars debt if I stayed at Emmy. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's true. And so and so I went to Florida State and I studied literature and art history and then just would met all the people that were in film school. But I was just like, it doesn't matter at this point. I'll just I'll just get a degree and then I'll just learn by making and work on everyone's set. And so I, I would work at, on everyone's set at the film school. Like Barry Jenkins was there, Adela mm-hmm. Lansky, um, Bro- David Robert Mitchell was in grad school at the time. I mean, I met all of these wow. people. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Justin Barber. There's just a lot of, yeah. I don't know if you've seen um, Phoenix Forgotten, but Justin I Barber. I have seen did. Phoenix Forgotten. Yeah. He directed that. Yeah. So and cool. West Ball, West Ball was also there. Do you yes. know West Ball? Maze Runner. Oh, Maze Runner. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. Wow. Yeah, it was wild. And James Laxton, who shoots all of Barry Jenkins. I mean, it was, it was uh, all of us that were there at the same time. They were that's in so, film school, but. That's yeah. so cool. So, She Dies Tomorrow. Can mm-hmm. you tell our listeners just a little bit about She Dies Tomorrow before we start talking about it? Sure. I'm really <laughs> bad at doing a logline for this movie. So, cool. <laughs> you'll laugh. But, uh, yeah. Basically, okay, so basically Amy, not me, myself, uh, Caitlin Shield, played by Caitlin Shield, and Jane, played by Jane Adams. Basically, <laughs> how do I do this? Wait, I should, I, I messed up already. Amy, played by, by Caitlin Shield, <laughs> has this horrible feeling that she is going to die tomorrow, and she just knows it. Uh, and then soon we find out that that idea is contagious, and her first, the first person that uh, contracts this ideological contagion is Jane, played by Jane Adams, and then Jane goes out and spreads uh, this this fear, so to speak. So, I, I mean, I, I obviously, I, and I'm sure you, this has been like talked about multiple times since the movie um, was starting to come out. But like, I, I get that it's a kind of a prescient movie for like our current situation. But I'll be honest, when I was watching it, the more that like kind of popped up to me is sort of that kind of fear of the culture that we're in where like it's like politics all the time and it's this 24 hour news cycle and there's demagogues everywhere and it's like information 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 to like the point that you can't tell what's real or what's not i don't really have a question there but like (laughs) i was just kind of curious what what like your your inspiration actually was for this movie well you are 100 percent accurate um so I, i mean there's that and then there's and then there's also I mean, it's it's that, and just watching sort of um, how quickly people will take like sound bites and spread it with oh. as fact. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's like it, it's easy. It's really it's scary because it's like right, left, center, wherever you are, it's really hard to get to like where the truth is in a lot of ways. But like that, it's it's like sometimes the things that spread the fastest are the things that are the easiest to di- digest. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, like, when it comes down to like a simple, you know, I'm going to die tomorrow. It's like a simple phrase. Right. Exactly. Where it's easy to for like conceptually for everyone to get, you know, and as opposed to if you really dr- drill down to the truth, it's like sometimes the truth is very convoluted and has m- like multiple weaving. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah, uh-huh. do it's like, do you want to hear something? Do you want to hear the truth? And do you have four hours? exactly um yeah what has it been like to have this movie come out during covid (laughs) like has that been surreal 
for you? Yes. <laughs> like that's such a because I'm obviously assuming this was shot before you even knew this was a pro like about COVID, and it's got to be so strange to like be like, oh, I guess this is very relevant for now for other reasons besides the idea of truth. Like, what has that experience been like for you? I mean, I, it's it's weird. I, of course, I did not predict this because that's <laughs> I'm not like uh, Nostradamus or anything. Um, but like, did he actually predict things? I don't know. Or he just he just say some shit. I think he like predict he like kind of predicted things ish, but like it might have just been coincidences at some point. Okay, because like I just want to start saying shit happened and then become him later. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I just realized that uh, like as I was about to say, I couldn't predict this. Like, what if I just start saying that I did that you did, and then I'm yeah. gonna say like more outlandish things, and then I'll, we'll come on here and we'll like decide what what it like uh, I, I was alluding to. Like, I thought you know it could I mean? be like it can be random. Yeah, um, <laughs> cool. I like that. So let's just start a thought experiment on our podcast and like just spread some rumors about Amy and like her predictions about the world, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's gonna be like our like you know our, our big tweet is gonna be Amy predicted everything. <laughs> yeah, she predicted yeah. coronavirus. Yeah, build the making of a legend. Um, so, uh, so, but no, I I, I haven't I haven't had a, it, it's weird. You know, obviously I made it. The year or a year or over the course of two years before the coronavirus. Um, but I haven't in terms of, you know, once the film was finished, I haven't had the experience of it not being in coronavirus right. uh, of, yeah. of the viewing of the viewing experience of, you know, save a few people seeing early cuts. I haven't had strangers, we'll put it that way, see the movie uh, without the lens of the coronavirus. Right. So, so it's weird. so it's very it's very yeah it's very surreal, but you you know with 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 any movie you don't know how people are going to receive it no matter what's happening yeah. at the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. It definitely, in a way, like for me selfishly, in a very selfish way, because I'm doing press and because we're so isolated, I selfishly get to have these very interesting conversations. Which yeah. is, was not the point of making the movie, but um, <laughs> uh, but it's it's interesting because it's because I get to have these conversations about now and what people are going through right now, yeah. which I, right. has been like really interesting and uh, and and great for for me. Um, that's awesome, but yeah, and like silver linings, I guess. Right, I feel like that's been like me this whole time. Is like, what's the silver lining of the situation? Like, what are some cool things that at least have been coming out of this? garbage yeah. fire of a year yeah yeah so let's talk about death um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sun don't shine um and she dies tomorrow are all about death and it i was just like so fascinated with how both of them talk about humanity's relationship to like death and i just wanted to hear like how you wanted to address the concept of death in these films especially she dies tomorrow and like your kind of relationship with the concept of death and portraying it on screen mm-hmm um yeah, I, the with specifically with Sun Don't Shine. I mean, they're both about death to me. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm very ob obviously and overtly. Um, <laughs> but the Sun Don't Shine is is was more about denial of death. Okay, right. and that. because I was I was real, I was taking care of my dad at the time, mm. and even though I knew death was coming, I like wasn't ready for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even though, even right. though, you know how like people say sometimes like, 
I would get really angry when somebody would be like, well, you know, hopefully he'll pass soon. <laughs> Sorry. That oh, but you yeah. Know what I mean? yeah. And like, yes. because then he'll be p- at peace. And I was yes. like, yes. ah, fuck off. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, even yeah. though I, even though I know, even though I knew, even though I knew that, yes, I understand the concept of that, you know, and I, and yes, I don't, I didn't like the state that he was in while he was alive, but there, I just wasn't ready for his heart to stop. There, there, yeah. there really is something to, to that, that feeling. Like you can feel, you can feel it like it's gone, you know? Yeah. And so instead, my style is not to like write uh, specifically a, like a story about a, a girl losing her father. Instead, right. I, I um, wrote Lovers on the Run and a story <laughs> about a woman who killed her husband and went off with her lover. Um, mostly because I, in addition to that, I, I shouldn't say it's purely about my dad because all these things are not purely about these, you know, what's going on in my life. Yeah. But um, but I also am obsessed with this movie, uh, Barbara Loden's Wanda. Yeah. So I, I really loved the, 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 how she goes on the run with her lover and he's like yeah. this bad guy, you know, and which is its own lovers on the run in, in, in some capacity. It's a very strange, strange one. But yeah. um, so, so that and I loved Badlands and, you know, all these things. Anyways, but it was still a denial of death because I thought what's a good metaphor for to like sort of talk about that. It's like, oh, throw a body in the trunk and have and like <laughs> don't let anyone know really what's going on. Right. Until some, you know, at some point in the movie, you have to let people know what's happening. Um, but and, and then and then their behavior suddenly takes this turn like it's bizarre behavior. And then, but you're like, what, what is this weird? Because it takes place in Florida. What is this weird couple doing? And why are she behaving this way? And why are their emotions so like raw? And so mm. when you when you re- realize that there's a body in the trunk, it suddenly becomes clear like, oh, this is like a highly emotional situation. But like the entire movie, she's trying to deny that that body's back there and is, and deny the inevitable of like, they're right. going to get arrested and they're going to like, they're going to have to deal with this body at well, some point. And not to, uh, to, to bring spoilers into it, but I mean, the movie is a little older um, now at this point, but like I, hearing you talk about the kind of inspiration with like the inevitability of, and, and not wanting to think about that inevitability, it kind of puts the end of that movie more in, into like an emotional, like attachment where she's in the, in the pond, in the pool. And she's like, should I call the police? And she's like, not yet. It's like this, yeah. I want to hold on to this, this moment just a little bit longer before I know that reality is going to come crashing down. Yeah. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. I like, I get really emotional when I think about it. Cause you write stuff and you don't really, you sometimes don't. I mean, I say, I knew it was denial of death, but I also didn't realize how personal I was right. writing the movie. Yeah. So wow. like the, like, and I, my dad hadn't even passed away yet when I, when I made that. And mm. like, and so the not yet like line, I still like it. Still really makes me upset. Oh. I was gonna say I'm getting like a little choked up over here, like a tiny bit. And I'm just like, ooh, get it together. <laughs> like, you know what's so funny to me is like when people watch the movie, they're gonna be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like we're getting choked up about it, but it's like nothing to do with it at all. It's like so fucked up, and like, and Kate's just like a hot mess in it. You know, like, it's just, uh, yeah, it's nothing to do with the father. But to, to me, it does feel like I get choked up thinking about that movie. Yeah. Yeah, though. But, 
Yeah. Speaking of Kate, though, she is a phenomenal actress. She um, is amazing. And and She Dies Tomorrow has a, a stacked cast of really fantastic a- actors and actresses. But like I, I, what I loved about the the kind of the beginning of She Dies Tomorrow and and to be honest, uh, Sun Don't Shine is how it kind of starts. Like you don't really know what's going on. It just sort of yeah. here's the story. We're gonna run with it, and you just gotta follow along with us. What I think I appreciated was the kind of the very the, all all the ambiguity that you have in both those films. Is that something that you like the ambiguous nature of of storytelling? Yeah, yeah. It, it's I think I think I you know I think I took. I remember Ar- Arnie Baskin, who taught at NYU, said this, and he's like, "It's just much more interesting to just jump in mm. to a story like in media race." You know, like I think I took that a little too far when I heard that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> where I was like, great, let's drop everyone in and they have no idea what's happening. Um, but, but I do, I, I don't like exposition. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, I think, um, truth, truthfully, I, I, and it's not that I don't like when I'm watching something, I start laughing when they're giving me information because I'm just like, no shit. Like I already know what's going on, you know, and they're, but I, I find it to be, you know, I get it. I get it for certain movies. Do you know what I mean? I get it for certain right. movies. I'm not saying, I'm not saying every movie is its own thing, but I feel like it in, there's a style to which you don't need it. And it also adds to the, it adds to the story. And I find exposition and I, this is the same that Lodge and I treated the girlfriend experience, um, the same way, you know, Mm -hmm. on my show. And, and, um, which is exposition becomes like catnip or like crack to the audience where it's like one hit and you want more, you know, right. Where like you're sort of training the audience of how they're going to, receive information i mean you can kind of see that kind of piggybacking off of that idea with like um another tv show like lost where it became everyone was more interested in the the minutiae rather than the overarching storytelling yeah that's a good point huh exactly like if you're explicitly because you're uh, and i i mean this like, like even myself included who like doesn't like exposition if they start the movie off by telling me what's happening and somewhere in the middle of the movie they start they want to get arty I'm like, what the fuck is happening? What is going on? <laughs> like, right. you're like, absolutely not. Like, this is not what I want. I want more information. Yeah, exactly. Like, even yeah. I'm just, I'm like, I'm not ready for this to get arty on me. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, and, and, or, or or quite the opposite. If it starts out with like a, you know, um, like an art house film and then somewhere mid through the movie, they're like, oh, wait, no one knows what's going on. And suddenly there's a <laughs> dump of information that some character is saying. And right. you're just like, what? Like. You know, you know what I mean. Like it's just yeah. So it's like someone put the brakes on. It's like they just sort of slammed on the brakes, and it's like, oh, I was kind of jonesing with this vibe. I was vibing, it's like, yeah, exactly. I was vibing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, so I, I feel like you know the ambiguity. It's to me, it's not ambig. Like it's the, the ambiguity isn't. It's decidedly um, sort of ignores those those. I guess that that's what I, I decidedly ignore all of that stuff mm. and go, there's a story here. You just have to pay attention. And there's a reason why I'm not giving you certain pieces of information because the questions I want you to ask have nothing to do with, you know, the specifics of the, the specifics or, you know, like for instance, in the, um, like what happens to Craig or which is con- played by Kentucker oddly. And and then what happens 
like with Jane getting stabbed, it's like, it's not a movie about like how it's not a movie about how it just is a movie about that. It's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I that mean? Is, wait, that's right. so funny you bring that up. Cause Terry and I had a conversation about Craig and Jane's like, like experiences last night and being like, what happened? And I was like, man, I don't know. Probably it's just for us to interpret. It, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it doesn't matter. It just happened. So we had that exact same conversation last night. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and then, in, and then in in addition to that, it's like, but I also have to have that in the movie. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, yeah. I have to have it in the movie because, because uh, you know, it's a movie about ideas and ideas beca- have, there's consequences to ideas. They become yeah. real life facts. There, it, and I mean, consequences, there can be like good consequences. Like, you know, yeah. there's, there's, you know, we drive around in these metal things all day long and somebody, that was an idea somebody had and they invented it. You know, but at the same time, it's like r- dangerous ideas become there. There are also consequences. So, like, it's not the how doesn't matter. It just it's like the the feeling of that. You know, whether it's suicide or murder or what whatever it is, it's like the the idea of I'm going to die tomorrow or any of these ideas that are happening in, in a mass hysteria way. They become facts. You know, right. at some yeah. point. Yeah. Wow. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, so, uh. <laughs> she dies tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> well, honestly, one of the things, like, the, I guess the last, one of the last questions I have before we can transition to talk about uh, the other movie is, I've watched this, I mean, we both, Mary Beth and I have watched this movie um, a number of times between reviewing it and and the, the podcast prep. And one of the things that I sort of picked up on on additional viewings is just how, and I hope this is true, how darkly comedic it is. Yes. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> yeah. Like, You're like, oh, excuse me, though, this is not meant to be funny at all. Very straight lace. <laughs> yeah. No, I I mean, I Caitlin Shiel and Kentucker and I and, and Jake, I tell my cinematographer uh, as well um talk about this all the time that you know i even think sun don't shine is a secret comedy even though i just talked about how i get choked up but um (laughs) but but i like i find but just as you can tell my sense of humor is very dark and like i love it and and so i and and also not just my sense of humor it's also in really dark times I find things really funny because your yeah. yes. your senses are so heightened mm-hmm. that like when something and, and also the juxtaposition, which is like sort of what comedy is, the juxtaposition of like how fucked up something is and then something ridiculous and absurd happening is like during that time is so funny. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like yes. it just becomes incredibly hilarious and like I've never laughed harder than in the darkest hour, you know, like in the darkest yeah. hours. Well, what I found myself doing this last watch uh, is laughing hysterically over, and it's it's not funny, but laughing over um, Amy Googling like leather coats because the only <laughs> way she thinks that she can be useful after she dies to be like natured everything is to make herself a coat. And it's just, it's, um, 
It's absurd. And, it, and I loved it. But I also and I also laughed when he was explaining to her exactly how he they skin a body, and she's just like staring at him like, oh no. And I was like, I feel bad that I'm cackling. And like I shouldn't be laughing, but it's just really funny in like the worst fucked up way, but it made me laugh. Oh, I laughed like we laughed the entire time. Like I mean, we, like when we're making it. Like we That's laughed. good to hear. We laughed so much. Like if, if you talk to like Jane and Kate, like it, like actually, we, <laughs> I was not laughing this day, but um, <laughs> but but the the dinner party scene, they no. were they couldn't stop laughing. Like I, I can't like, believe it. And like I was just, and I had to. I I was actually getting angry because <laughs> I was like, the sound is unusable. You have to stop. <laughs> like it's not your close up, Jane. You've got to stop laughing. Because, like, it would be, like, on, you know, poor Jennifer Kim's uh, close-up, and she just has, like, a few lines, and Jane just couldn't stop laughing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and then that made everyone else laugh, and, like, poor Jen is, like, I'm trying to, like, be, like, play the straight man, and Jane won't <laughs> stop laughing. But, like, but, I, but I, I, I say that I wasn't really that angry. I was just kind of, like, we've got, we only have, a, you know, we, we can't. Time's ticking. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um, but at the same time, it's like that's sort of the energy on set. But also that with the with the leather jacket and then the 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 you know uh, what what he needs to what James Benning uh, who is a very wonderful experimental filmmaker James Benning is is, is the leather man and uh, he him describing that there's also you know as like sort of dreamy and sort of uh, where it makes you know dreamy and sort of making your head sort of deconstruct that death, the, you know, the thoughts of death may or are, there is this incredibly real sobering side to it, which is yeah. what do you do with the remains, yeah. which is a real life, you know, people have to deal with that. It's, in a, real life. it's, a, it's a real question that yeah. you probably don't think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with the remains? Yeah. I mean, I did when my dad passed away, but and the, the, again, yeah. again, like I was like trying to convince my sister that um, we should make him, into fireworks and like she was like no and i was like why not why not like what what else are we gonna do you know like holy shit wait i never oh my god you can make someone into fireworks Mm -hmm. that's actually i I would love to that's actually so fun it's like a celebration it's exciting well also yeah because i thought and it's also sentimental i can't believe she didn't go we we actually might be able to still do it maybe she'll go for it now that there's time has passed but it's also like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the other sorry, dark I'm thing sorry. by the way by the way the other dark thing this is so terrible and i and i this is actually a very common thing but that i that i learned um is that so my dad's ashes are still with us um and i say when i say with us i mean at my mother's house house who is his ex-wife of 37 years oh um <laughs> So he's in my mom's closet right now. <laughs> in the closet, like yeah. Just- and, and like every time I come home, like to, to visit my mom, she's like, "Can we get rid of him?" Um, sorry, <laughs> my mom is wonderful, but like, but she's like, "Can we get rid of him?" And I'm like, "Oh, I really don't want to right now. I'm having a good time." You know what I mean? Like, it's like the right. last, yes. the last thing that I want to do. Like, so like, it, just a word of advice is like, if you're gonna get rid of the ashes like do it really soon after the funeral because yeah. you don't want to revisit it 
right. um, lingering in your closet. In my, well, in my mom's. If it was my I, it closet, was... I probably would do something. But since it's my mother's, I don't. Um, yeah. Well, but maybe we can. Now, I'm just realizing maybe we can make them into fireworks now. That'd be amazing. That would be yeah. amazing. That'd be a great way to, to send someone off, I think. Literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so due to Amy's schedule, press schedule, we didn't record uh, what we've been watching recently with her. So Terry and I are going to do a little one right now. Um, so Terry, what have you been watching? Well, one movie I was, or one thing that I watched, I should say, I was not anticipating talking about because it literally came in to me today. Oh. Um, but I have seen the first three episodes of Lovecraft Country. God, tell me everything. <laughs> Sorry, see who's got the book in the mail. So I'm like very excited to like so, read it and watch have, it. So you haven't read it? I have not read it. No. Okay. Um, I have only read like the first third of it. Okay. And what what surprised me about the book and kind of why I stopped a little bit is that it's actually short stories oh. of sorts. Okay. All, all about like the same characters, but like they're little vignettes. Oh, so like, okay. I thought the the and, and most of the trailer for the the TV show has focused on the first story, and I honestly thought that the first season of the show was going to take that first chunk of story and like flesh it out and make it a full season long, mm-hmm. which I was kind of intrigued with, but also a little worried about because like some shows that are like artificially brought out to like 10 episodes sometimes lose their focus yeah well it's based it's basically the book so far oh okay the first two episodes are the first story and the third episode is the second story in it and i'm actually really wanting to read the book now because the (laughs) third episode like i was like oh so this is just basically going to be kind of an anthology series where it's like one episode per per one of the stories or something like that but it actually has a little cliffhanger at the end of the third episode that like has me intrigued. Okay. Um, so basically, for those that don't know, it's about it takes place in the 1950s. It's about a young African-American. He lives in Florida and he goes back home to Chicago because he gets this mysterious letter from his father. When he shows up in Chicago, his father is gone to a place in Massachusetts called Lovecraft Country where there's a place that's called Artem instead of Arkham. Mm. And so he, his uncle and his childhood friend, Leticia decide to go try to find their father. And that's kind of where the show starts. Okay. It is really good. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's I'm like, so glad to hear that. Yeah. It's like a, a, a mix of pulpy, like kind of that kind of story that Lovecraft would write or that, uh, like the Conan stories. Uh, what was his name? Those kind of like stories from that time period, and it it meets that with with definite pulpy moments. Um, but it also has a very strong, obviously, uh, social connotation to it. Robert E. Howard. That's what I'm thinking okay. of. But it also has a very strong social uh, commentary of the time, and the way that the two intercross definitely kind of reclaims, in a way, some Lovecraft stories. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm really excited to see where it's going to go. I think I think fans of the book are going to really love it. I think people that might not know that it is anthology or that it well, not I use anthology like loosely, but that okay. that's going to be like individual storylines that have a greater connection possibly might be a little surprised by it, but um okay. it's really good. Cool. And then the other one I briefly want to talk about is I saw Blackwater Abyss, the oh. uh How's that? pseudo sequel. 
to like Blackwater about the crocodiles and the mangrove mangrove forest. Okay. Have you ever seen the first one? I have not. No. It's on Tubi. Okay. Uh, I hadn't seen it either until I took part in that Boom Howdy uh, to be or not to be uh, series that he's that Adrian Torres is doing right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so the sequel, it's kind of like Black Water, where it's a group of people. In this case, they're stuck in a cave that's like submerged. It's sort of like forty-seven meters down, uncaged, or like the descent mm. where they have to like be quiet and move slowly because the crocodile senses vibrations in the water and it's dark and it's terrifying. The I like, I don't like, I've, I've realized I, I've tweeted this out recently. I realized I don't really like the dark <laughs> in yeah. movies and stuff. Like it sets me on edge. And so this movie definitely like set me on edge a lot of the time, but the characters are terrible. Oh, they're one note. Uh, and, there's like an interesting dynamic that emerges at the back half of the film, but like I kind of wish that instead of having like five characters, they had three like the original and actually focused on those character dy- dynamics more. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like it's just sort of they're really boring. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Until like the last twenty minutes, I guess, is when like things start to get a little interesting on the on the character dynamics aspect. But it's good if if you just want a creature feature and and have like crocodiles jumping out at you and from the darkness you're gonna really enjoy it. Oh, sweet! <laughs> Sounds good. Cool. What about you? What have you been watching, Mary Beth? So on your amazing recommendation, I checked out <laughs> Open Water Three. Um, oh yeah, Caged Dive. It's called Cage Dive, but they slapped Open Water Three on it, and it has. I think it's just because they had similar like those three movies have similar premises and in, in terms of people getting trapped in open water and getting yeah. kind of picked off one by one by shark i think they actually did that with the second one too like i think the second okay. one was not I an open water movie i did not see the second one i heard it was so bad so I didn't oh god it was time. terrible it was so terrible <laughs> yeah um so open water three is found footage mm-hmm. so of course i had to watch it it's three three people uh Two, two brothers and one of the brother's girlfriends who go to Australia to go cage diving because they are auditioning to be on a reality show or to have their own reality show. So they want to go cage diving and do like extreme stuff to show how extreme they are. <laughs> and of course, they get stuck in open water. And it's about kind of the three of them trying to survive in the water. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty, that's pretty much it. It's like it's fascinating what people can do with such like a basic premise because there's a really awesome use of night vision in this movie which is really terrifying i think that the like the shark attacks are really really cool and there's something about this movie like outside of the shark attacks like that kind of like fear that they're all experiencing sitting in the water and kind of being like holy shit like we're not getting rescued and like their fear that is kind of bubbling up desperation time the desperation that desperation, I feel like, is captured really well, and it's kind of heartbreaking in a way. Mm. It does have a very Blair Witch Project moment where a girl is at the camera and, like, saying bye to her mom and dad, which is, like, very cliche, um, <laughs> which was like, okay, we get it. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. We get it. <laughs> I understand. But, besides, I mean, like, whatever. It's fine. Um, I really enjoyed it. So, I know that you watched it, and you didn't like it as much as I did. I know that you thought the characters were insufferable, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> I, I really did. I was so annoyed by them by the end of the movie. But... I didn't think they were that bad. <laughs> 
maybe I just watched so many found footage movies with terrible characters that like my threshold for bullshit is higher. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I like you said, I, I also found uh, I thought the shark effects were actually really good. Yeah, they were really good. And I thought that the the moments involving the sharks were actually pretty uh scary and intense they particularly were. that that night vision one so i'm i'm with you there i just the characters were meh <laughs> yeah i can see what you mean and like i sometimes i think the thing one of the problems with found footage in certain films is that people really want to force these like interactions between people and like force drama between the characters which is like kind of the case in this one where it's like it feels like they kind of fabricated a whole like scenario that would make it feel even more dramatic and more mm-hmm. intense. And like, I understand the, the kind of thought behind that, but I also don't think it's always necessary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we don't have to have some like weird scenario between all three of them to like make us care more about the characters. Right. And so that kind of was just like, eh. but regardless of that, I still really enjoyed it. I yelled and grabbed my face at a couple parts. So oh, me too. I can't complain about that <laughs> and it's novel right i i yeah. can't think of another movie that involves like aquatic horror well i i guess aquatic horror is the bay but like out in the ocean or yeah like, like shark found mm-hmm. footage and so i mean that should be enough to go check it out um right I, I exactly think. if you are a shark if you like aquatic horror it's like open water three is definitely something you should check out it's free on tubi it's great it's short we love that um mm-hmm. again found footage just knows how to stay short i love it when found footage movies don't overstay their welcome it's just like wow perfect it's like the host, host. 56 minutes <laughs> ah, ugh, perfect yeah. it just makes me happy but in very exciting news everybody i finally watched all seven movies <sighs> of the nightmare on elm street franchise I know, i'm so excited I am so sorry for sleeping on this franchise, everybody. Goddamn right. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> I will say that five and six were a little bit iffy, but that's okay. Yeah. They still yeah. were enjoyable to watch. They still have some awesome kills. And like the creativity, like regardless of what you think of the writing and like what happens, you cannot fault the creativity of every single installment. Like yep. the kills are like, consistently just so fucking wacky, but so <laughs> cool. Freddy is just like fucking camp of shit, and mm. I love it. Is it the sixth one where he's the Wicked Witch of the West? Yes. <laughs> I just one through four. I absolutely just like fucking adored those, and I like and I love seven too. So really, honestly, like five out of seven hits. Not yeah. bad for a franchise, right? Not bad. Not bad. And so I haven't seen the remake. I don't really want to see the remake. Mm. I don't think I need to see the remake. No, please um, don't. I'm just not gonna waste my time. But I just was blown away. I don't know. I, I just am so glad I finally watched them. I think it's such an interesting like franchise where I know Freddy is the main villain, but it feels so much more character focused to me yep. than like other than other slashers. Like obviously, especially he's the first the, four. Yes, like obviously he's like the the draw. But I feel like again, I'm not like I'm not as big into slashers as a lot of people. So like this was kind of my first really big deep dive into a slasher franchise. But mm-hmm. I was really impressed with how these films really deal with childhood trauma mm-hmm. and are really character driven rather than like trying to just force Freddy into every frame. I think I really enjoyed that, that it was like Freddy was used as kind of like a backdrop rather than like a centerpiece in at least the first four. Right. Which I really enjoyed because I feel like I haven't really seen Friday the 13th movies. I haven't seen any more Halloween movies other than the first one in the remake. 
Um, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but they always just, they all feel like it's just vehicles for those villains rather than like the characters they create. That's, that's my opinion. That's, that's okay. why I'm a, I'm a Fred head. That's okay. why I will, <laughs> I will support this franchise over any of the other ones any day. Cause there's more to it and like you said the kills are so inventive they're so inventive like and that's what's so cool about having a dream like this dream realm it's like anything is possible so it really like it reduces any kind of limitations like well what is realistic because like the sky's limit with your dreams and so that really does open up the weirdest, most fucked up possibilities of like what and they really go for it they do though they're just like all right we're just gonna like put this girl in a bug trap and make her turn into a bug. <laughs> that was fucking gross, but it was I so know. good. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot, though. What's your rankings? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I have been thinking about this a lot, and I'm not... Okay. Let me just give you one... She knows people are going to come for you, regardless of what you I say. Know. And that's why I haven't tweeted it out, because um, <laughs> I'm scared about the reactions to my ranking. Um <laughs> Are you ready for this ranking? I- I'm I'm so ready. Okay. I'm I'm like excited. Listeners, I don't know whether it's gonna what's gonna come out of her mouth. <laughs> we, we should fuck Amy Simon. We'll just tease that Mary Beth reveals Mary Street ranking in the episode. <laughs> oh, you got you got to believe that I'm using this as a teaser. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> fuck. It's hard because I have a hard time placing seven. Yeah. Because. I don't know why I have a hard time placing Devin, but I do. Okay, so I'm going to go from my favorite to least favorite. Okay. Oh, wait, should I do the opposite? Whatever. I'm going to stop overthinking it. I'm trying to get out of doing <laughs> this is what you can tell that. I'm trying to get out of it. Okay, first Nightmare on Elm Street is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Followed by three, Dream okay. Warriors. I'm going to do four. Okay. Which is... The Dream Master. Dream Master. Seven, New Nightmare. Okay. Two, yeah. Freddy's Revenge. Five and six. Okay. So one, three, four, seven, two, five, and six. All right. That's fair. And I feel bad. Like, I liked two a lot. Yeah. And I was, like, really into it when I saw it. And then I saw three and four. And I was like, ah, shit. Like, I'm sorry, yep. too. And I, like, I did really enjoy it. And I love that it's a scream king, if that's what right. we're calling it. Like, I love that it's a final boy. Mm-hmm. I love that there's all these, like, queer aspects to it. I think it's such a fascinating film. But then there's like the parrot scene. Like there's some really weird parts to it that make no sense. But the parrot scene is literally my favorite moment in the entire franchise. Because it's like so yeah. fucking wild. Like this bear, the birds escape and then it explodes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd actually really recommend going uh, if you haven't listened to him, listen to the Kill by Kill podcast where they talk about uh, the second one because it's. I mean, I'm. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm on one of the episodes, but like it actually, <laughs> it actually is. Um, it's it's probably my favorite of their like movies that they've they've done on it because okay. it's 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 such a such a ridiculous movie. But actually, your ranking is not is not controversial. Oh, it's not. No, not at all. Well, that's good. Like a lot of people really like the third one. Like that is. Oh, I really loved the third one. It was so good. People really like it a lot. I loved it. I'm not as huge of a fan. That's fine. <laughs> but I did also really love four. Like, yeah. I really like that one a lot. And I like the thing is, I feel bad about five and six because, like, I know everyone talks about their trash, but like, despite like the the issues with six that I have, I can't fault like the full on just campiness of it at yeah. parts. It really goes and, like, for it's it. It's the only one in the series directed by a woman, which is yep. awesome. I'm so glad that a woman 
directed it. And I also like hope that people can like see that and be like, okay, cool. Like women can make mistakes in movies and like, it's not damning. You know what I mean? Like sometimes people are just people and they direct not great movies. And like, that doesn't mean they're a bad director. That just means they made a not a great movie. But also like, again, there's some really awesome, weird parts to it that Mm -hmm. I appreciate. So this is me trying to say that despite the issues in the franchise, it still kicks ass and it's still cool to watch. So hell yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you that some of those effects hold up today. Okay. They so do. It's wild. And the fifth one, I think is when he gets, it's the fifth one or the sixth one where he gets sucked into the comic book. Oh, that's the fifth one. That's the fifth one. That was really cool. Yeah. The effect of him getting sucked into the comic book. Oh, there's like so many, like, I think the, the, the most squirm inducing moment for me was in um, the third one where he has the needle fingers and oh. her track marks start like making little noises mm. at her. Yeah. Oh, that was awful. It was also really fucking sad and upsetting, but also really gross. I'm also terrified of needles. So like that plays a role in it, but oof. yeah, what's the scariest moment for you? Early grossest moment. Grossest moment is uh, Greta being fed herself. In oh five. God. Ew, that's right. Oh, I forgot about that one. That was yeah. so gross. And like it's, I, I think in like the version that that people are able to see, it's not as clear. But like in the the uncut version, um, that I be- I believe I, don't come for me. I believe it's only was only available on VHS here in the states. I don't think they released it in any other cut. Um, but I believe it actually has a brief scene of him like stuffing his fingers in her stomach and then feeding it to her directly so like it's even more pronounced that he's feeding herself to herself and it's really kind of gross <laughs> uh but th- i mean that's the grossest one for me yeah but well and that's what i've been watching recently there you go awesome and so now back to our talk with amy yeah so amy we've talked about your work but what movie have you brought with you to discuss today i brought and this is from the canon of the 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 divorced years in the 80s uh, is The Gate. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. And now, someone has opened The Gate. This weird tearing sound there is the decomposed corpse of her dead father. Oh no! He's tearing out air by the hands. I'm calling the police. You got demons. So 
For those of you unfamiliar, uh, the gate follows two young boys, Glenn and Terry, who accidentally release a horde of nasty pint-sized demons from a hole in a suburban backyard. What follows is a classic battle between good and evil as the two kids struggle to overcome a nightmarish hell that literally begins to take over the earth. Bum, bum, bum. Um, so, Amy, how... Paint us a picture. How old were you when you first saw this? What, like, where were you when you first saw this? What scared you the most when you first saw this movie? I am gonna say I was probably five. Okay. Oh, wow. Right? What year did that come out? It came out in 87. And that would make sense. Five or five or six. Yeah, that makes sense. Five or six. Sorry, I, my dad lived in like a bunch of different houses, and I was trying to remember the house. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Mm, yep, I know <laughs> um, that. Feeling. I know that yeah. feeling for sure. <laughs> so I think I know I know the house, but it was yeah five or six. It was like kindergarten, first grade ish. Okay. Um, but I but I also kindergarten first. Yes, yes, yes. That's when I saw it. Was this one where uh, your your sister and you were walking through and just picked it up, or how how did you go about seeing this movie? What in, enticed you? That was. Yes, we. It was my sister and I picked it up. It was um, we we picked a, picked the box out. And I remember watching it, and like we were. I, I wanna, uh, look, it was the '80s, and I'm going to say this. I, I don't think this ever happens now, but like we were latchkey <laughs> kids, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like my sister would babysit me, and we were like young, young. But and I don't. I I, I fear saying that because I don't want anyone to attack my mother and my father. But like. Uh, That's why it wasn't the 80s. But I feel like a lot of people we've talked to on the podcast that grew up in the 80s all describe themselves as latchkey yep. kids. Like, I feel yeah. like that was just the way it, it was. Right. And, like, it just was. Yeah. That's just the way it was. And so I think that's why this movie actually stuck with me is because it's oh. these kids being left, uh, like, at home where their parents, like, go away, you know, and... And and then like these demons, these claymation Gumby like demons come <laughs> come out and like uh, yeah and if you look at it now like as an adult you look at it it's like really fun and funny but I was just like so I was so traumatized by it like yeah. You know, it's it's funny because like uh, I don't think Mary Beth or I had ever seen this movie. I had, yeah, I hadn't. It's one where like when I was growing up, it, and I can't believe that I haven't seen it because like I went through so many different horror movies at the time, and it's a PG thirteen one, so it's not like it's even an R rated movie. And I was at the time of this came out, I was busy binge watching, you know, an Edmund Elm Street movies, and for some reason, my parents would not let me rent this movie but i made up such like a story of it in my head because the cover is very evocative i love the kind of like the word the gate in the ground and like the claws pulling themselves out of it yeah but like as an adult it's still kind of a dark movie like i was surprised at how uh nasty it is it's really nasty it's so nasty because i was like i got the vibe it felt like a kid's movie at first a kind of a kid's movie and then the ending i was like oh no this is like really kind of nihilistic in a way as like minis like little baby steven dwarf is like sacrificing himself to save his friend and his sister oh my god Jesus, like you're like what eight or nine? Like you're so. Well, it also plays with like so many. It plays with so many ideas in there, and it yes. and, like in this way that I find 
like as a kid and just like thinking, well, as a kid, but also as an adult, like one of my favorite movies is, um, is Zwelski's Possession, you know? Oh my God. Oh, I yes. Love that what movie. a good fucking movie. And so like, if you think about sort of like how crazy, like the, the tone of that movie and then also in, in the gate, the tone of it or like where it goes wild and you're like, and you can't really predict it. It's yeah. like, yeah, that is, that is if the devil came, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. is, that is what it, like, it's chaos, you know, it's complete yeah. chaos and like, on like, it doesn't, there is no, like, even the emotions in her, like, um, Isabella and Johnny's like, you know, freak out, like dance routine. <laughs> That's yeah. not the good word for it, but, yeah. um, you know, the dance performance, it's like, it's so unhinged. <laughs> In yeah. these, in this way that it's like, yeah, there is no, it needs to feel unhinged. It needs to do. Um, and so there's like in, in the gate, just with being a kid, it's like, there's also, they play around with like, almost like not body snatcher, but you know what I mean? Like more, like, like, like thinking that you thinking you can trust this person because they're familiar, right. but you can't, you know? Yeah. It- the, one of the notes that I took down when I was watching it last night is that this is like baby's first uh, Cthulhu. Like this is like a kid friendly, like cosmic horror type yeah. thing. There's like it plays with madness. It plays with these demons that are at one point Terry, which I felt kind of attacked because I'm like, that's my name. <laughs> I don't usually see my name in like movies. But um, he uh, he's like talking about how these these creatures are older than the Bible. Like it has this kind of like even beyond the kind of satanic panic kind of feel of the film, it has it has like a a cosmic eldritch horror of like these creatures have existed beyond time immemorial, and even at the very end, it's almost like the their world starts to come into our world. Yeah, and there's like the madness of like the the scene that like really kind of affected me is actually when Terry comes down to go see his mom who's dead, oh, and she's yeah. like. I need you. I love you. And he's actually dancing with the dog. Angus. Like, yes. it's darkly funny, but yeah. like, fucked up. No, exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's chaos. It's chaos. It's like, chaos. <laughs> yeah. It's, but that's what, hor- that's what's fun about horror, right? Is right. you can yeah. like, you can get away with like some, some of these things, you know, you can get away with complete darkness and humor. A gallows humor at the same time and these really bizarre sort of ideas of like you know really like <laughs> really dark things i'm just remembering that movie i i know that like i know that after i watched that because i also there also is a gate too yeah i haven't seen yeah. that one either is, um, is it it's not as good, good? <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean i'm sort of it's not as good but but I, in my opinion and my my um you know very expert opinion. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, but I remember uh, even still there's, you know how certain things stick in your brain where mm-hmm. I still sort of like give 
fences, like wooden fences on the ground. I still have, oh, like, yeah. I still have something that I give it like a second look. Like a side eye. Yeah, like what's that covering? Right. <laughs> you know, like what is that hiding? <laughs> yeah. But I was like really terrified as a kid of like, you know, lifting something up and opening the portal to hell, you know? <laughs> you, know. I, you know. You know what I mean? Normal everyday kid fears. <laughs> I, had a, I had a similar thing though when I would swim underwater, like in like, I live near the Chesapeake Bay, so I would swim underwater, and I would imagine I was I would find a dead body every time I went under the water. Um, I don't know. I think they came from the from Poltergeist when all the dead bodies come out from the pool. Yeah. So I I had the same thing. I was like, I'm going to find a dead body underwater. I do never you, did. Do you still do you still um think about that? Like, do you still have like a little like ping of it? Yes, I yeah. definitely do. Yeah. Yes, I definitely do. I do. I do too, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. But like, ever since I saw Jaws, and I, mean, I, I saw Jaws, and I lived in Alaska, and we had indoor pools, and I did not like swimming on my back because I was afraid that the shark was going to be able to come up from the bottom, and I wouldn't be able to see it coming to attack me. Um, and I still think about that now. If I'm like on my back, I'm like, oh boy, I can't see what's underneath me. Yeah, it's, yeah. who knows? Really weird. It's so weird. I have a. I oh, oh, sorry. Do you want me to go, go ahead? <laughs> 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 um, I I I have this thing. So I came up with this boogeyman when I was little, and um, basically the rules of the boogeyman were he was – the only thing he lived for was that he wanted to come and get me, right? And mm-hmm. and that's all he wanted. That's his only goal in life. I'm very narcissistic. Um, the- <laughs> <laughs> only me. Only no me. Else. Nobody – he had no other goals. Um, <laughs> so and, – and so – but the, the rule was, is he had to walk, right? But, and he, oh. so he couldn't like fly, he didn't, it, but the, the, but he had to walk, but his body would stretch. So like he, if he was going across the ocean, he would, his body could stretch so that his head was above water, but his feet were like walking across oh, wow. the ocean. And so, but then, but I, I had the power to, if I remembered to think about him, I could send him back to China. I could go go back to China and then he'd have to start over. And so Oh wow. And so wow. sometimes like as a kid I'd be like, Oh my god, I haven't thought about him in a long time. Go back to China, he's probably around the corner. And I'm like, go back to China. And still to this day, I like I make I'm making a joke, but like <laughs> something in my brain is just like, ha, huh, I wasn't that funny as a kid. And then I'm like, go back to China. Go back to China. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like, just in case, though. Like, just like as like a Band-Aid. Like, who yeah, knows? It's like, like, I mean, you know you have a movie here. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's the same thing that I do when, I, when I'm like, I don't believe in God. And I'm like, just kidding, God. Like, just kidding. Inside my head. <laughs> I'm like, just I kidding. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> do th- I do that, too. Be- growing up Catholic will do that, too. Yeah, I oh, swear totally. to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just like, I don't believe in you. And you're like, just kidding. Please don't smite me where I stand. Like, exactly. Like, exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But horror films do that, like to to yes. yeah, yeah. They're they're very good at like injecting that like, little slender of a thought that sort of like percolates over the years. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Do you remember in particular what what scenes like stood out at you as a kid? Well, anything coming out from under the bed. I mean, okay. And then the other thing was is when you when they like chop one of them and it like spreads out like worms. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. And like, yeah, when like the arm gets stuck in the door and it like turns into these almost like spermy creatures. Exactly. Like all that stuff where it's like you can't kill it. And it's like in growing up in Florida, I don't know if you know this, but like it, it reminded me, it was very tactile and very real to me because if you like, 
I never did this because I'm not cruel to animals, but like if a lizard's tail comes off, it like like keeps moving. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. So like oh, yes. A, and it just keeps moving. So like to me, it was like, this is real. This is like really something that could happen because it's just like a lizard's tail. But um, wow. wow. Yeah. I could see that. And then yeah. and then the the Barbie dolls in the eyes, definitely. Oh my gosh. Definitely. That scene. I was surprised that that scene was in this PG-13 movie because it's actually it's very brief. Like I wonder if they had to cut some stuff to make it kid-friendly, but like it's pretty graphic. Yeah. <laughs> it's really graphic. And and who'd have thought like the the other thing was like suddenly I was like my Barbie is a weapon. You know, right? Yes. <laughs> like, God, good to know. Yeah. Horror movies are so good at that, making you realize that like everything's a weapon, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that my nice, like, cute doll could be used to stab someone in the eye, but now I know, <laughs> and I'm prepared in case I need to do it. Like, yeah. all right, great. It's a good life lesson. Good life lesson. <laughs> I also wanted to give a shout out to this movie for having an amazing brother sister relationship. I feel like I'm yes. so used to movies having like the brother, the older sister, and the little brother hate each other, but this is like weirdly wholesome i mean i know it's pretty graphic but like their relationship is so sweet and it's kind of nice seeing like a very like happy relationship between brother and sister and like how she's actually just like a really good supportive sister i guess i just because i feel like siblings always hate each other in horror movies so it's so cool to see like they support each other and she got him a rocket from the mall with her last I know, ever money. I, I was like, oh my God. I literally went off <laughs> and like she slugged off the beach to like buy this rocket for her brother. I thought you were going to the beach today. I was, but I spent all my money. On what? Wow. Are you going to just stand there or do you want to launch it? I think, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> like, I also feel like to me, I got even more emotionally invested in the movie because of that relationship. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want them to make it out together. And like, you know, because sometimes like the evil sibling or mean sibling will get got and you're like, oh, that's good. That sibling was annoying. But this one, it was just like, I want them all to survive. Like, yeah, please? completely. Yeah. And it, it just it also feels yeah, like you're saying is like there's something like real about the the like them and the house and their relationship yeah i mean mm-hmm. the, the, and then the demons come but like um <laughs> but you know what That's i mean like normal, it, right? it just felt like because my sister my sister and i had a re- we were really close like very close and mm-hmm. i mean she was mean to me sometimes mm-hmm. but like but that's normal you know but the we were extremely extremely close so it, it was just like i don't know it just felt like Especially, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. Like, especially when you're a latchkey <laughs> kid and you like kind of depend on each other, you right. know, for for stuff. Like, my mom yeah. is wonderful, but like, yeah. but there is like, it's there's just something because because it, it's a very real real fear when you live when you when you're a latchkey kid and like you're like, what if something fucked up happens when we're like alone? You know, right. like what if like and, yeah. And, not demons, but like a stranger comes and does something really fucked. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. those are, those yeah. are real things that like you have to like process when you're a kid that's, you know, coming home from school and making nachos in the microwave. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> in addition to that. Right. Like, yep. Yeah. You have this like carefree air, but then there's this like, this kind of like edge of danger that is just like lurking right outside, potentially outside the door. Right. Yeah. Uh, as an adult, what kind of like freaked me out a little bit is um, 
how pissed the parents are going to be when they get back right. home and the house is destroyed. <laughs> I, was like, I felt so bad for Al, the sister, because like, you know, she's nothing that happens in this house is her fault, but her house is fucking destroyed it's, and the parents are so gonna blame her right completely <laughs> they're gonna be like there was a demon they're gonna be like shut the fuck up right. like there's no way and they're like i swear yeah these moths broke the window these demons try to crawl out of our living room place but don't worry we sent them back to hell like <laughs> we got it it's cool. no one's gonna believe that yeah exactly and like who would yeah um so do we want to give us our final ratings out of five terry yeah sure so terry how many barbies to the eye out of five do you give the gate <laughs> you know, I I actually, like I said, I hadn't seen this as a kid. I didn't know exactly what to expect going in other than like, I remember the, the gif of the, what I, what I guess has been called the workman where he like tumbles over and turns into like a bunch of the little demons, which yeah. I think is really cool. But like, I didn't really know what to expect. And I actually really enjoyed this movie a lot more than I, than I thought I was going to. Cause a lot of times movies don't age very well, but I thought that a lot of the themes in here were, were really interesting. I really liked how... Uh, the, the film actually made metal music a good thing because in the eighties, it was such a decried, like the satanic panic of like Dungeons and Dragons and metal music was going to lead kids to hell. And in here it was like, what's this? The album backwards tells you how to close the gates. No, this is how we're going to save ourselves from the demon. And I thought that was kind of an interesting reversal at a time when like Reagan era politics was such a huge thing. Yeah. So like, I actually, I think I'd give this either a three and a half or a four okay. uh, Barbie dolls to the eyes, to be honest. Uh, cool. What about you, Mary Beth? I would give it four Barbie dolls to the eye out of five. I, well, one, I love a little Stephen Dwarf. Um, I think mm. he's very attractive and it was weird to see him as a child. So weird. <laughs> that was a very strange sensation. Um, But I think I really was expecting kind of like a cheesy 80s movie which i love but this was like had much more heart than i was expecting like the the, the central three characters were lovable and silly and fun and i really I, the effects still hold up pretty well they do really awesome practical effects um between like the stabbing out his parents eyes and all the goo and the little demon oh. monsters and the giant tornado at the end i just i was so impressed with how much it held up and how much it made me sad in a way. Like, it definitely hit me more emotionally than I was expecting. So I will give it four out of five. Amy, how many Barbie dolls to the eye do you give uh, <laughs> the gate? Well, I'm going to have to give it five because of the sentimental. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the sentimental aspect of it. Because I think, yeah, it's like it's hard for me to not watch it and feel childhood in some way you know like to watch it and right. be like oh this is like so nostalgic like the nostalgia for me like wins so so i, yeah. I have to give it five awesome. awesome but i did have a lot of barbies so i could give it like a dozen <laughs> there you go <laughs> like, we, don't, we don't have rules here so like you can do that <laughs> yeah dude you were prepared all those dark barbie dolls if there's a demon coming you could like you were ready, you were to, go. ready to go armed for yeah. days <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining us to talk about The Gate. Where can Alicia's find you and what do you have coming up you'd like to share? And can you tell us a little bit about your role in Arch Enemy? Oh, <laughs> um, um, you, okay. I, I am, I'm sort of like a half Twitter person. I'm not like a big uh, social media person and, and I'd be boring to follow because all I do is promote <laughs> movies that I make and am in. Um, but uh, but you can follow She Dies Tomorrow and Neon 
um, both on Twitter and then also on Instagram. And, um, and then, uh, let's see, what do I have coming up? Yes. Arch enemy that, um, that I am, I acted in. Um, I don't, I don't think I can tell you what I, what, what I do in okay. it yet. We tried to like pull a little bit out of Adam when he was our guest, uh, and he wouldn't talk too much about it either. So <laughs> yeah. we had to try. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. It, I, 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 I don't think that I can say anything, but I, but it was very fun. It was, uh, we'll put it that yeah. way. And then I also acted in this mini series that's coming out called the, Co- the Comey rule, which is, mm. um, about James Comey and like everything that went down prior oh, to sh- oh, wow. the 2016 election. Uh, it's Damn. really, it, it, the cast is amazing. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm friends with Scoot McNary and so, to watch him, and I just I don't want to say anything because I it's just like he blew my, he's such an amazing actor everyone is an amazing actor in it but everyone like sort of blew my mind on that I was in way over my head acting in that wow um, <laughs> way <laughs> over my head <laughs> definitely made me wonder why I, anyone hires me but um, oh, I doubt that's true <laughs> <laughs> but imposter syndrome is real I guess. yeah yeah it's real and um, I I always I always wonder when I'm gonna get fired when I get hired. Um, oh, but it's never happened. I, it's never happened. I don't know why it's still, it's, I still think that. And then I'm also in the secrets we keep, uh, which is, uh, which Chris Messina, who's in my movie is in, and Numi Rapace oh, and, okay. and Joel, um, Kinnaman. I think that that's, I, I sometimes don't remember when I, what I've done. Um, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. And then my movie. So, and so, so. There we go. Um, I think that's that's enough, right? That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, listeners, you've heard from us. But we want to hear from you. What was your experience with the gate? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast@gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at mb McAndrews. and I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, keep the conversation going by chatting with the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Oh yeah, I have to end it. You do. <laughs> As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. 
Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Acast.com.